podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap. And in a minute, I'm going to say that again, uh, because I'm going to be sitting with Rob Gutman, uh, Philippa Smallwood and Dan Morgan, and thank thank them very much indeed for getting together with me on a bank holiday morning, very early on indeed. They all did that, they all came out. But since then, uh, the news has broken about Naby Keita, so if you're wondering why we didn't talk about that, well, it hadn't broken whilst we were recording that show. We then go on after that show to record a gutter show, our transfer speculation show, where we discussed Thomas Lamar a lot, and in there, uh, Dan Morgan actually anticipated the Keita situation, but we did not know anything about it at the time of recording either of those shows or the Anfield Rap. If you don't subscribe to the Anfield Rap, you won't be able to hear those other shows, but I'd say that this right now is a fantastic time to do so. You know, Liverpool rampant yesterday against Arsenal, fantastic for goal victory uh, on the one hand on the field and off the field as well you know it seems like there's a lot of momentum things are heating up now as this transfer window closes so if you haven't yet subscribed please do consider doing so the anfieldrap.com forward slash subscribe for all of that plus so much of the other stuff that we do i'll say what i always say it isn't a test you haven't got to listen to it all people will find the own the, the things that they're interested in uh, across the course of a month or so of listening to the anfield rap so if you haven't had the opportunity then you know let's consider the fact that you might want to have a little look now that'd be fantastic if so regardless though thank you so much for sitting down listening to our free show that we do after every single game uh, on a month day after every single weekend so thank you anyway because i feel at times we talk about the other stuff but we should thank you for listening to this so with no further ado i'll hand over to me who then hands over to everybody else it's the anfield rap it is the anfield rap liverpool city center on a bank holiday monday after liverpool have won by four goals to nil against a fellow top six side there's few better places to be i've got rob gutman philippa smallwood and dan morgan with me and rob let's 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 get stuck right in with how fantastic a victory that was for the Mighty Reds. It was, it was, wasn't it? I'm. I, I wrote in the preview piece that Arsenal perennially, perennially build as as there for the taking for for a side like Liverpool at the moment because they play high up the pitch, and um, and Liverpool have got fast lads who like to go through them, and I think they're gonna get they're gonna get wise to this one year. But regardless of Arsenal's failings, Liverpool starts so quickly. Uh, they start like a boxer who wants to have this done within one or two rounds. It's jab, jab, try to put Arsenal on the back foot. There's all kinds that has been written and Sky focused heavily on Arsenal's deficiencies. They don't have a chance, any chance whatsoever to impose themselves on that football match. Liverpool go hard, Liverpool go strong, they should score early. I think it benefits us that we don't because it enables us to keep going. It doesn't enable us, we choose to be enabled, if that makes sense, to keep going. And keep going we do. And uh, the breakthrough on 17 minutes is the most inevitable breakthrough you will ever see in a football match, ever. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) You go good. I'll be honest, before the match, I don't know why, I just... Sometimes I just feel so negative before a game kicks off and I don't know if it was all the the talk 24 hours before about Mignolet being dropped and then, you know, all those doubts start to come in about the keeper again and I don't know, I just I just had this like sinking feeling. I don't think I don't know if it was what you was talking about then, about how, you know, at some point you you've got to think that Arsenal are gonna wise up to, you know, people's strengths and they're gonna actually find a way to actually counteract that. It's a bit like Everton in a way. Yeah, exactly. You know, at some point it's got to, hasn't it? And whether or not it was part of that as well. Um, but honestly, within the first 10 minutes, I just thought, what the hell was I worrying about? Um, and like you say, you know, the first goal, you know, just relieved all whatever tension that there was because we hadn't taken the chances prior to that. Um, 
And to be honest, Arsenal probably had their best spell when it was at 1-0 and our second goal by Mane just completely took the wind out of them, I felt. And I couldn't see any way back for Arsenal after that. Um, I just thought they were outstanding. What struck me, Dan, was the we didn't score in the first 10. Instead, what you saw was Liverpool with much the better side, and you know miss miss a really good opportunity with uh, with Salah, uh, well saved by Czech, but he should score. I mean, you, the goalkeeper should just not be in the equation. But what happens is Liverpool don't stop. They 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 are irresistible uh, to that Arsenal side at that point. They just don't stop, and they're going to make their life ridiculously difficult. They don't slow down. They just know we're gonna we're gonna get this done. I think there's a. I agree. I think there's a real inferiority complex in that first ten, where it's just a, a massive case of now we're better than you, we're better than you, and we're gonna we're gonna prove we're better than you. And and it's it gets set by a few players early on. I think Moreno has a really good solid first ten, and he goes from there. And I think in a way that kind of settles everyone else down as well. Um, like Philip says, you know, we all have these insecurities about certain players and stuff like that. But I think. Just off that back of that start, we're so dominant, and it's it's got there's loads of all over the pitch. Just give me that ball back, get off the ball. This is my ball. You just they make Arsenal so in, insignificant in a football match, and it's a real statement in terms of it's a side that is around us and is considered to be in and around where we're due to finish and, and where we're due to to see the season out and a, a rival for us. So I mean, I think. A statement like that, that early on, in a game like that, is it, it, you know it speaks volumes for me. I think I think any Liverpool fan sort of coming out of that ground yesterday, absolutely buzzing, and then getting back to try and sort of gorge on an orgy of everybody realizing how good we were would have been a little bit shocked and mm. and galled, I think, by by the media's overall reaction because, as you said, Arsenal. Arsenal are a top six side. They're a challenger for for us getting a place in the top four. They've got Alexis Sanchez back. They're at full strength. They can even afford to put Lacazette on the bench. And but yeah, anyone focus focuses on that as possibly another Arsene Wenger mistake. It was just a, it was a symbol of the luxury of riches that he had at his disposal. If you if, if you're going to be critical of them, you feel like they never learnt lessons from Hoffenheim midweek. But that being said, I think. The minute we get in behind anyone now, first 10 minutes in a game, you see them shit themselves, yeah. the opposition. You see them like, I don't I, what this is going to happen again. You can see it in them. It, it's built into them. It's but an inherent fear. If you look at the first chance we made, the one that Salah has smothered by Czech, that's not, we're not, the Arsenal aren't 30 yards up the pitch there. We've cut a team open in the way the very, very yeah. best. It's a very, it's a tight, Arsenal are quite compact and tight. It's a lovely little one-two. A very, very quick movement. Is it Emery Chan who whips the final ball round? Yeah, that's just, that's shot. just top yeah. draw football. That's got, that's not about Arsenal though. That's about us. No, yeah, yeah. it is, it is. And that sets the tone really, I think. Um, and when the goal comes, you, there's, there's no doubt it was going to come. I have to say, I had to keep. You, you said, Philip, it's a t- you're sort of nervous because it's Arsenal, and you know they've got some things in their locker. But if you take a one nil lead over a team, I don't know the, the bottom thirteen. You go right. It's ours to lose now, yeah. right? We can shoot ourselves, but it is our game. You feel you feel a great sense of relaxing. The key moment of the game has happened. You've taken the lead. I sort of realised not at the moment we scored that goal. Within about five minutes of it. That this is our game to lose now. We were going to go on and win. We are we're a much better team than them. The the difference for me now is because we've got so much pace in the side. We can afford to invite teams on when we're one nil up as well, and they can't live with us when we're on the break. 
you know, no, we're ruthless. Exactly. We're, we're, we're so, um, you know, just quick. And, you know, our all our players are so clever for me because they they pick the right thing to do at the right time. They know when to hit hit it early to Salah or to Mane. They know when to actually drive with it themselves. And I'm talking about Wijnaldum here and Emre Chan, who I thought were absolutely outstanding yesterday. Yes. You know, the, the actual choices that they make when they're on the ball. And Firmino, for me, is so unselfish. He's, for me, anyway, I think he's the best forward in the whole league. I, I think some of the runs that he makes are so unselfish and he, he opens up space for other people. He's always looking for the ball as well. Um, but he knows when actually somebody else is in a better position than him and he takes defenders away so that they've got more space. I just I just think that we've got such a good blend of players here and, you know, I I, I don't want to get overexcited, but then I also think you have to you have to go with the momentum of it. You have I think to that's key. you have to enjoy it. Yeah, I think I think Klopp does something interesting which Surprise me if you'd asked me 15 days ago. He, he all but, all, okay, a few defensive changes against Paz, he all but picks the same side. It's mm. only tweaked. So he's gone, you know, okay, he's gone, it's pre, it's early season, so someone could do with minutes in their legs. It's not the same set of decisions he'd need, he might need to make in two months' time. But still, it's been courageous, I think, to, to pick the same, especially the same attacking players. Firmino, Mane and Salah have virtually played every minute. I think Salah has an hour off against uh, Crystal Palace. Palace yeah. But they've virtually played every minute. But I think that one of the benefits we've had from that, from that, this, that gamble of sorts paying off, is the um, the synergy between them that you're describing, the mm. almost the telepathy of them yeah. playing so many games as a unit in such a, a short period of time has really, really worked. And I think it's, we're seeing it in that midfield three. You know, if you had Coutinho and Alana fit and available tomorrow I, for, for a game against City, I'd be loath to break that because, mm. well, we haven't mentioned Jordan Henderson yet, but no. him providing the pivot and, and the, the movement and um, intelligence of Wijnaldum and Chan off that, it's just stunning. Yeah. What really impresses me is um, how we we're managing games now, and like you refer to the, the first ten there, Neil. We come out and we basically set a precedent in that first ten. But I felt we kind of allowed Arsenal to have their spells in the game. We give them five minutes after the first goal, and it's like we they don't have five minutes. We give them five minutes because mm. we know they're going to have it anyway. But we're completely in control of it. It's not like it's a siege mentality where we're just hanging on at any time. And it's the same just after the break. We give them five minutes after the break, but we're completely bossing it. We're completely in control of the football match and, and it's how it's destination, how it pans out. By we say, okay, you can have these five minutes. You're not really going to lay a glove on us and now we're going to go again. And it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's, I mean, it's, it's a massive, massive steps and leaps forward from the, from the side. You know what? You know what, Dan is interesting. If you look at, you've seen the possession stats after the game. They ed, they edge it. It's nuts. Mm. I think if ever you want to sort of uh, in any kind of coaching course where you're talking about statistics, go. You know possession stats. You know how they're absolute bollocks. Here's a game of football. Watch it because nobody who came out of that ground would have gone. Even if they thought, okay, yeah, Arsenal might have had more possession than you'd think for a team that's been absolutely annihilated. You wouldn't have gone. They edge it. They edge it. It's fifty-one forty-nine, something like that. But that's as as comprehensive an annihilation as two good as one good football team can do to another good football team, it should have been 80-20. That's what the eyes told you. Yeah, the big difference for me though is, Rob, is that if if Arsenal suddenly sat in and just said, right, we'll let you have all of the possession, you can have 90% possession, we'll have 10%, you get the feeling this season we can win the game 1-0. If, yeah. if a team wants to go that way, you get the feeling that this team 
has it in them now to win that game one nil, and there's not that anxiety that's that's there over the past season, and it's it's that that whole thing of what you do against this side, it's impossible to set up against in some way, especially at Anfield. Yeah, watching yesterday, watching a sort of not being successful scoring early, but being relentless. Uh, it reminded me of the teams I grew up watching. I suppose, in, in many respects, the 87-88 team is sort of the most comprehensive chance-making machine I've ever seen uh, that didn't need to have the ball for the entire game. Yeah. But it but it had it when it wanted it to have it in explosive patches where it would just take take uh, the, the game away from teams. But that's, but that's to say that Liverpool sort of allowed Arsenal sort of strong possession or that they played in front of us and probed. They didn't really. No. Um, I just think we want to... We're in the results business. It's like uh, Suarez used to have no interest in possession, I used to notice. The ball would come up to him, he would spin, go, flick, twist. Yeah. And then he could lose, but he'd probably lose possession sometimes 10 times in the first 20 minutes. Didn't give a fuck. No. This lot don't. They're going and going again. It's, they, they, you know, what are the metaphors are escaping <laughs> me here? You know what I mean, kids? The, Philip, on that, just to come back to the midfield for a second, that midfield dominance. I, it was, you know, it wasn't long, long ago we were wondering about the shape in the middle of the park. And I think a couple of things have happened there. I think that Will Aldum's come into a little bit of form, but I think he's possibly come into a little bit more fitness. He looked like he was yeah. struggling a little bit earlier on. But this side dominate the middle of the park yesterday. Yeah. You, you see them each dominate in a different way. I don't even think Henderson necessarily has his eight out of 10 game. And yet he is pivoting that game, as Rob said before. You see Chan uh, at times bursting through people like like a 110 meter hurdler and you're seeing you know Wijnaldum going past people holding people off in in their own ways they just the superiority thing that Dan said before they each impose superiority on the match yeah and I think earlier on in the season they were people were describing them as being too alike and I think yesterday you saw the qualities of each of them and you saw how actually different that they are as well um Henderson for me is a is a very smart footballer. Um he he doesn't go chasing the limelight for me. He's, he's quite willing to for people to underestimate him, I suppose, is one way of going about it. But he he's he's willing to do the kind of dirty stuff and allow other people to to take the, the credit and the plaudits and you know, yesterday you know you, you didn't notice him as much as what you noticed all the other players. Um you know, in particular, Emre Chan and, and Wijnaldum for me, but he he's just as effective as what they are at doing what he's doing. Um, and it, it was interesting because when when we played Hoffenheim in, in midweek, um, there was a fellow sat behind me and he actually turned around and said that he's the worst captain he's ever seen Liverpool have and he, he doesn't think he should be anywhere near this side. I'm wondering what player he is actually watching. Mm-hmm. Um because it was probably a criticism I had of Gerard when Gerard played in a similar position. I felt he he didn't quite have, I don't know, the nous in some games to just know when to to sit and to just go right. I'll just stay here then. Let you lot do what you need to do, and you know I'll just keep my eye on what's going going on up this end. Um, I he always it was interesting actually in the first ten minutes we were talking about and. Quite a few times, Henderson actually tried to to put a ball over into the box, um, kind of like a a deep cross ball in a sense. I want to I want to talk about this a little bit in in the context of all them and what Rob said on possession before. I'll go to you first on this, Dan. There's things that we're doing 
I'm trying to write to phrase this. I think all three midfielders did it yesterday, and I think a couple of other players do it as well. I think Firmino does it, where we're not actually expecting to get results. Where so there's there's certain big balls that Henderson's trying to play. There's bits and pieces that Wijnaldum does. Where what he's actually doing is he's putting doubts in defenders' minds and making them drop five ten yards. So we think our oh, shit ball. You see the ball, you see a big diagonal that doesn't go to anyone. And immediately, because you're used to seeing you know, a certain type of Liverpool, which is more about control, about retention of possession, and you think, oh, what's going on there? But actually, what we were doing was we were, we were forcing Arsenal to defend in areas they didn't want to defend in by virtue of, of trying a certain thing and making them think, oh, they're going to try that. And that's especially pressing now that we've got Salah on one flank and Mane on the other. The idea that we can just force you back because you're going to realise how quick these lads are, even if this just goes into touch. Do you know what I mean? It's not the same as Charlie Adams ball which is just wild to me it seems like it's a tactic of even if this doesn't come off lads it's going to work for us I think they're really set up in, on situations so I think they massively go for second balls so like you say if that if that ball is is floated and you know there's a, there's a defender's head on it we then play for that second ball and that situation and then you see them in the scenarios before when they're warming up and it's been mentioned in training that situation is then how we react to when that ball drops and it's a situation we're not we're not supposed to be used to. As Neil says, a switch ball, Alonso-esque, from centre midfield to full-back overlapping, gets you in a position where the full-back takes it on and he crosses it in the box and you'd expect someone to be on the end of it. What what the way this team plays in is is that they'll they'll play a ball that's speculative, that's might not be on, or you might not get anything from. But they'll pick up on the bits and pieces, and I felt we were doing that a lot better yesterday. Mm. They're high quality percentage balls, aren't they? They are, yeah. 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 Which I, I'm noticing. I mean, I think I think the fullbacks that we brought in are some old, some new, some coming through the ranks, and the and the way they're being coached and what to do in those positions is telling now. It's not Milner checking back and looking to bend one in, maybe find someone ghosting in on a header. Although Gomez does that kind of cross for the set uh, for the, the opening goal. Spot, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of that low whipped ball. In fact, Chan does it for the first Salah chance. So that's that's the ball we've been seeing from our fullbacks this season. It's a high quality percentage ball. It's the Beckham ball, quite frankly. Um, it's it's a it's a ball that it, I, I get the feeling. I think they're practicing it because there's a lot yeah. of them now. seeing yeah. adept at it, but they didn't know they could do. Neil was talking about Henderson was play, as playing these balls for the back post, and a lot of them are frustrating at times. But what he is doing is he's doing when he gets the ball. He's doing it's his first touch. It's not he doesn't touch, look up, and then dink one in. It's his first touch. He's trying to turn them around with 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 the pace of it, and they're not settled. And as you say, the second ball, the second ball is therefore on. Our boys are readier than theirs. Yeah, they, they feel very much more drilled on what happens if it doesn't come off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's you know that that's a, it's a great way of coaching because we talk about what Salah's doing in the, in those situations as well when he's getting these long balls hit quickly because of his pace. If anyone's ten yards off him, Salah can turn that into a chance. He, he is a weapon we now have. I mean, people are, let's say we do nothing, let, yeah, let this transfer window, I don't think that's going to happen given what's breaking as we record this. Um, if nothing else happens, it looks like we've got one high-quality, successful signing. We've gone through summers where we signed five or six lads and none of them are any good. Yeah. This lad is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the one thing I'd say is that uh, with players like him and just players in general, I mean, you've seen it from Henderson yesterday, the way this team set up, and I've not really seen it before, is that they can see a chance from the opposition centre midfielder having the ball 10 yards inside his own half. They can see a chance of being in on goal in two passes from that, where you, you steam in, you nick it, you play a one-two and you're in. And and there's, I don't think I've seen that before from a, from a side who, 
is that proactive in, in just seeing opportunity in every every situation. And, and Klopp's talked about it a lot in the past, it's situations in the game, how we deal with certain situations, how we can turn sides over in situ- certain situations. And it's really exciting to watch, I thought. It's just so unpredictable. That's, that's the thing for me, it's just so unpredictable. And I, I don't know how any team's going to know what we're going to do next. I th- The thing for me, I'll go back to you actually, Philip, is... I think we are actually really quite predictable, but what I mean by that is that doesn't mean you can do anything about it. So he used Manny as an example. He, he, he just gets in, checks in his right foot, and he's going to put it in the bottom corner. Mm. But the thing about that is you can't rely on him doing that because he, he, it's two consecutive games. It's Sorry, it's three times in two games where he's backheeled someone in to create yeah. a chance on the overlap. So if you're defending that situation, you see someone running as though they're going to go for the overlap. You can see that he's coming inside. You also know he could also now choose just to go outside. It's not like his left foot's bad. You know, he's got a decent enough left foot. He scores our goal of the season last season on the first day, doesn't he, against Arsenal? With his left. Yeah. So it's not like he's... So my point about this is that you you can think for all the world, but I know what he wants to do, but I've got all these other things to think about as well. So how do I, how do I stop him? And I think all over the pitch, when it works for us, and we can talk a little bit about when it doesn't in a minute, but when it works for us, you can know what we're going to do, but there's nothing you can do about it. And I yeah. think that's what, and again, to use the other, the, the when Rob's making the 87-88 comparison before, that was true with that team. You could know what they were all going to do. You could know that Ray Houghton's about to ghost in. You can know that John Barnes is about to play a certain type of ball or he can do something else, but you, you can scout this all you want. There's not actually a ton you can do about it if the space yeah. is there. The yeah. knowledge, sorry for that, I'm going to cut no, in because it's reminding me of something. The knowledge can hurt you. It reminds me, there's a Shankly quote from the 60s where he's accused, his team's accused of being predictable and he says, yes, like Joe Louis, who was the great boxer of that era, mm. I will just knock you out. And I, I thought it was a one, it's one of the wonderful Shankly quotes that have been lost in, the, in time, but I think it summarises what all the great Liverpool teams should be about. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I just think it's so exciting, I really do, and... I, you know, I, I, it kind of disappoints me sometimes when I think people always seem to look for the, the negative out of everything that happens, you know, and they, they kind of dwell on the negatives rather than actually embracing all the all the positives. And, you know, I just look at even over the two years since Klopp has been here now, you know, I can only think of Stephen Colker. I may be wrong. Somebody can come in if they if they disagree. But I can only really think of Stephen Colker where I would go. Out of all the players that we've got in, he's the only one that hasn't actually worked or done anything, and that was a loan signing. Yeah, just to solve a, just to solve a, solve a stopgap problem. Is it worth talking about the keeper for? Two Let's, no, that's what I mean. We can talk about the keeper because the keeper is is perhaps yeah, on perhaps that list. Great, one, yeah. great area. Yeah, yeah the, and. I'll go down first on this. The, the, the manager's been interesting afterwards. When I saw it, I just presumed he's, he's bombed Minula here. Saw it pre-match and I thought he's bombed him. It's done. He's bombed him. And that's and, and to the point that I thought he's probably going to be sold by Thursday. So mm-hmm. it made such a bold thing. And now he's saying he's going to start for him against Manchester City. What do you think he's thinking in amongst all of this, the manager? I can't get away from the fact that he's brought carriers to the club. And a goalkeeper's one of them positions where... If you're a manager and you bring a goalie in, you know, barring you, you bring one in the second or third choice, you bring a keeper into play, at some point that keeper's going to be in. And I had, a, I had a weird premonition before the season started that he might just get the nod at the start of the season and we'd, it'd be out of left field. And look, I don't buy the rested thing at all. There's, there's absolutely no reason to rest Mignolet. You don't rest your keeper to Arsenal at home. For me, it's absolutely bizarre. We've not seen Klopp to anyone of the likes before. For me, what it is... But he has is, already said he's going to start Mignolet at Man City. Yeah. But what I think we're seeing here, Neil, is 
a slow process of Carrius getting back to being the first choice goalkeeper again. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think probably Mignolet's in his arse a little bit because he's just being part of this process of being phased out and he's probably seeing it in front of his eyes and that, that's where I, I see this going. I I think that could be in Klopp's mind that he that he sees Carrius longer term. They think Mignolet's renaissance will eventually end and Carrius will eventually show that he is the keeper that he that he bought. I think that might be in his mind, but I don't think that's what happened yesterday. I think the several I've, I've tried to sort of try to eliminate logically what the possibles and impossibles here. There is no way, as you say, Dan, he's rested. That's bullshit. That was one of Klopp's tactical lies. The fact that he's bringing him back in. Well, that says everything to me. It says to me there's no major disciplinary issue. What we forget sometimes, we think this is fairly binary. A player is either dropped because he's out of form or dropped because he's injured. He could also have a life. He could have a life. Yeah. He could have had some terrible thing happen. And it might. It doesn't have to be the routine, a family bereavement. It, it could have been, say, boss, I just me and the missus had the worst argument in the world. I haven't slept. I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. Mm. Or we're just worried irrationally about one of the kids. I don't want anything out about the hell. It could be a million and one things that normal people go through. And Klopp's just blanket protected him like that. Yeah. And I think that's the likelier set of scenarios than, than the absurd one, which he, he, I think he, he probably did for all the right reason. He's rested. If he's phasing him out, then on the back of that, you don't go strong and go Mignolet's back in next week. No. I think he's being nice to Simon Mignolet and not, and, not, and not platitude nice. I think he's protected him. I think he's standing by him. And also the evidence of our eyes is, and I fucking can't stand the goalkeeper that Simon Mignolet was seven months ago, but I grudgingly am beginning to quite like the goalkeeper he's becoming. Um, so I don't think there's any logic that says his number is up yet. I think you might be right in the long run, but I don't think that was evidence of it. The only other thing that I can think of is that he wants to look at Carrius and to decide if he is actually capable of being his long-term. But you don't just do that. Coming out of a week I, I, where everything's no, been stable. No, there's, some, there's something gone on, and I think, I think it is more likely to be something personal. Um, and I think... You know, the club are never going to comment on that because it's not their place to comment on it. No. And, you know, it's unlikely that Mignolet is going to say what it is. Um, but it was interesting because this morning I was reading um, a couple of pieces where, um, again, we're talking about the media putting on a negative slant on everything. And they were saying that Mignolet's time's up because it got leaked to the Belgian press. <laughs> and it's just like... What got leaked, sorry? The fact that Mignolet was being dropped for the game. So like 24 hours before the game. It's like a tautology of a thing though, isn't it? It's just like, come on. You know, uh, there's no saying that that's Mignolet that's done that. But also, what's he's dropped him for because he knew he'd do something wrong, like brief. What are they they saying? I don't know. They can see into the future. I I disagree with all of you. Go on, what is it? I think, I think he's given Mignolet reminders. And I think if you see it in that sense, that I think he thinks, and I think there's evidence Genuine evidence that when Mignolet thinks he's got competition for his place, his level goes up. Do you not think you do that against Palace at home, Ralph? Um, no, because I think, well, I think you could, I think this is the manager being a manager. And in the same way that Alex Ferguson would t- sometimes be a manager and th- things would happen and you'd go, this doesn't make any sense. And you'd find out in the longer run whether or not they were right or wrong. And I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think that maybe you do do it against Palace, but... It may well be that he, he feels as though giving him the international break to reflect on the fact that he's not as secure in his place as he thinks, giving him the you know the idea that I'm prepared to manage you in this sense of I'm prepared. Don't think your place is secure. I can bomb you out tomorrow. I can bomb you out from nowhere. I'll bomb you out at home against Arsenal, mate, if I feel as though something's not right. And then 
putting him back in, I think, is the idea. And I think you've seen it right the way through. Right, the, So even for Brad Jones, and Brad Jones should never have been competition for Mignolet. He literally jumped the wrong way at Old Trafford. <laughs> but when Mignolet got back in after that, you saw him go up another level, and then the whole team went up another level at the start ah. of 2015. I think you see it last season with Carius. He comes back in a couple of times around Carius, and he, he improves. And I just wonder whether or not there's been some sort of internal thing where someone said to the manager, I've been saying for a while, you know, penalty save, he's getting a little bit too comfortable, this 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 fella. You might need to have a little think about this. And and that's the action that he's Dropping took. when he's good, though. You might, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to get, there's another factor, which they play football all week long and we don't see it. Exactly. Carius could have just been sensational. They could have been scratching his chin clock with Pep Linders and Axelberg goes, he is a better keeper than the Minula. I know we haven't seen it in games, but he's a better keeper. It got... uh, but what it also does, though, is it also gives the relevance hope to Carius and to Danny Ward. So yeah. now you're in a situation where it manages all three of them in one move mm. because all three of them now don't know who he's going to pick for the next game, albeit he has now said that Minula will be back in for Man City. But what I mean is it could be anyone who's, who's in goal at home against Sevilla. He might just, you know, we could, against Burnley, he might just lash Danny Ward in. And what that does is that dangles a huge carrot around everyone. Everyone's bouncing into Melwood, all three of them, because Mignolet's got something to prove, something to hold on to. Carius has got something to aim for. And even Danny Ward is now going, you know what, I, could be, I can be Liverpool's first choice goalkeeper by the end of this year. And everyone says, and I believe in general competition for places for goalkeepers is a bad thing. But I believe that if you've got David De Gea in goal, like David De Gea just needs to know that you think David De Gea is brilliant. Whereas... There's, as I say, that if, if there wasn't a literal body of evidence to say that Mignolet improves when he's got pressure on him, then I'd, I'd, I wouldn't necessarily buy this, but we've we've seen it. Do you think the fact... What about the fact that he's not even in the squad? I suppose, does that just allow Klopp to do this? Why, yeah. like if he wants to put, it, if he wants to put a, a rocket under him, I think why Klopp protect also, him like that? Why not go, no, you're on the, I'm just rotating my keepers? But well, that, that because he, he doesn't need that to be an external thing. He doesn't need that conversation to be an external conversation. He doesn't need that to be the topic on Sky Sports. He's done it. He's put it in Mignolet's mind. That's where it, that's where it matters. It doesn't actually. You think about everything Klopp says. Klopp says all the time. You know, there's that elongated interview that he that uh, with Melissa, which was terrific, mm. where Klopp's saying about you know what what's said externally is often not helpful. So Klopp will just send the message out he wants externally as long as he's got the message I think internally that he wants to send. And he, as I say, he's not just sent it to Mignolet, but he sends it to all three of them. And I that's what I think's happening here. And for your why Arsenal thing, why do it for Arsenal? Well. As there's the length of time, there's where it falls. That falls in the middle of the five games. So then, mm. you know, it's a little bit different. But my other thing is, is I think Klopp thinks we're going to batter Arsenal. <laughs> I genuinely think Klopp thinks we're going to batter Arsenal. We're going to batter Arsenal Sunday. So it doesn't matter what I do with the fella in goal. I can do this and get and and I think Klopp thinks that and is proven to be correct. Whether or not he's proven to be correct on the goalkeeper thing long term, well, I'm, I'm saying it like he will be. He may not be. Mm. It's a risky thing to do. But if you sort of, if you imagine Klopp was Ferguson. You'd think I was right. If you see what yeah. I mean. If you imagine Klopp as Ferguson, you'd think I was right. Because Klopp isn't Ferguson, then, you know, I might not be. But it's, it's a very Alex Ferguson move. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I so, yeah, you've, you've half persuaded me. I think, this, I, think we, I think we just think we're going to need more information. I think Mignolet at some point is going to say something on this. If Well, I think if Mignolet does say something on this, like he comes in against City, hopefully does well, and goes, yeah, that rest really did me good. I understand. Took me <laughs> back a bit, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. It's 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 a really hard one to read. I mean, we're talking. I mean, we're not talking about is how Carius actually played because it, it definitely is a mixed bag. Well, it, it was. I mean, it he's was not tested it on is he in terms of shot stopping. No, two great punches under pressure. Yeah, great with the ball at his feet in terms of. Well, no, sorry. <laughs> Let's start that again. <laughs> Let's start that. Again. The worst goalkeeper I've ever seen with the ball at his feet in three situations where he nearly concedes a goal. His kicking was good though. 
Yeah. I think that sums it up. <laughs> I, I, I think that um, his positioning is really interesting when when we're at the other end of the pitch. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, we ended up yesterday in some situations where we didn't have a single outfield player in our own half. And Min, uh, Minule, uh, Carius is literally halfway to the to the halfway line. And you're just like, if somebody gets the ball there, first thing I'd do is try and like, whack it one and get it in the goal yeah but the chances of somebody being able to do that is very very slim I mean you'll have to look at how many goals has been scored like that but that's very that was you know from the very first game he played pre-season it's Tranmere season before this one that's where I was shocked that he positioned himself yeah and what I don't get is it seemed instructed and yet Mignolo doesn't do that does he he definitely doesn't go as far up no Um, and you kind of feel like the defenders feel like they have to be closer to Minulay than what they do with Carrius. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's just something that I noticed, and you know, I, I just wouldn't be passing the ball back to him when there's a, a a forward from the opposition within five yards of him. He really needs to to switch on when he's he's in possession of the football. He, he thinks he's got so much time than than he does have, and and do you know what? Other than that, I don't think he's that bad. You know, I don't for a young keeper coming over from Germany. I, I, I'm oddly reassured with him on set pieces and crosses. I think he, he has no no qualms with coming and getting something on it. Where sometimes with Mignolet, you're just wondering about whether he's gonna he's gonna come at all, whether how late his shout's gonna be, stuff like that that I've I've referenced before. He just yeah, it's it's that thing of when he's in possession, he, he becomes so blasé. But the one thing I'm, I'm, I'm I wasn't into yesterday was the whole ironic cheering when he. You know, from the own crowd when he when he's booting it out and we start. And I know he brings a lot of it on himself, but it's just it doesn't help anyone. And and I just think like, all right, you know, that the lad the lad is putting putting the nerves into everyone at some point during the game, but it, it's not helping every, anyone. It's it's. Did you think that was out of the I always thought that was like positive reinforcement. I of just that, do yeah. that. I, I yeah. thought I thought at first it was, but I thought it got a little bit ironic mm. no, after about the third right. or fourth time, and I was just a, and and Klopp. I mean. Klopp saying on to the main stand and just give like a a really like dirty look, shake of the head <laughs> at one point with it. But he does bring a lot of it on himself. That's the thing. It is the turning back in and stuff like that, or the, the just the feeling that he thinks he's got more time on the ball than he has. And and sometimes you just feel like he hasn't really got a plan about what he's gonna do with it when he's got it. And in the end, you just think, well, we'll just 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 lump it and then we'll go again from there and play those percentages that we talked about and we referenced earlier. But other than that, you know, I, I think I think there is a keeper in there. I think mm. there definitely is a keeper in there. He's got a good frame. He's got a, a good presence at times. And like I say, he, he, he's, he's quite quietly confident coming for stuff as well. So a little bit more experience. I think we might see him get in. But I love what you're saying before, Neil, when you come to think about it. I think, like Rob says as well, the, these players are human beings. Mignolet might have just had two really bad weeks in training. And Klopp thought I need I need to put a rocket up his arse here, and then we'll go from there. But I don't know. I don't know. Defen- defensively, I was I was in, I was impressed by the individual performances yesterday. I know it was a day to be sort of everyone's a hero kind of day, but I, Lovren and Matip in particular, especially the last two games, Matip suddenly returning to being that player that we suddenly were acclaiming as a great signing mm. first half of last season and we sort of lost sight of it. We haven't lost sight of it. He hasn't been great, has he? For a while, Matip. Uh, 
I noticed particularly against Hoffenheim, I think he was tested in that second leg at times. And, and yesterday, yeah, he was tested at times, but he but he dealt with everything, such authority. When, when he's good, he's very, very good, Joel Matip. I don't yeah. know if that's just me. I was looking at spending a lot of time looking at him for some reason. No, I, f- I felt he was really good yesterday and um, he had a big part to play in the third goal as well. He, Did he? he? Yeah, he cleared it really well. Uh, I did it out from the from the corner and then Bellerin made a cock up at the... The, you know when the ball came to him, but Salah's goal. Yeah, who's just the assist then on that? Is there no assist? I don't think there is one. Bellerin's a muppet, but anyway, <laughs> Bellerin uh, with the assist. Yeah, <laughs> or, I, or Sadio Mane with his run to block off the centre half. Oh, I think. Have you ever seen someone clean through that high up a football pitch? I don't I think that's just about as high up as I've ever seen someone clear run. It reminded me, and it, it's happened a couple of times now. When I was saying when it happened against Hoffenheim the first time, I was saying how often do you see that? And it actually it happened to him a few minutes before. Yeah. But also, it actually it reminded me. Do you remember that great Vladi Schmitzer one? Uh, against United, oh, where he was clean through, for, he'd being fouled and was clean through for fifty yards, and he Luke. just waited to the ideal moment yeah, to collapse yeah, onto yeah. the floor. Who was his Luke? Luke somebody, Chadwell. Luke somebody wrote in a report. Schmeitzer was clean through on goal until a horse ran on the pitch and knocked him over. Yeah, <laughs> he was just he was he basically was getting fouled for so long, and then yeah. he just picked his moments to go to ground. Box, yeah. yeah, it reminded me of Babel Arsenal. Yeah. yeah, Champions yeah. League, where he seems like he's running for an eternity, and like basically the cop of. Doing the old shanklism of sucking the ball into the net, but yeah. Well, watch it back. The compare. I mean, the Hoffenheim one where he misses the other week, he does take his first touch. I think like two yards inside our half. But this one, that first touch is almost yeah, twenty yards yeah. inside. It's mad. Yeah. The fact that what's better for him is he doesn't have to worry about keeping the ball under his feet for so long. Yeah. He just he just put he pings it, it fifteen yeah. yards, then lets his pace do the rest. So those defenders weren't getting anywhere near him, and he's able to pick his pick his spot. I mean, some people have commented how Sadio Mane actually runs behind him with his arms out, holding <laughs> Arsenal defenders off. But, but he's very, but I always think sometimes when you when you have too much time like that. In fact, apart from that one time that Dem. Dembabar had too much time and yeah, still scored bastard. against Chelsea. But my, a lot of the time, yeah. too much time is a bad thing. There's, there's, there's an infamous Heskey miss against Crystal Palace where Heskey's mm. cleaned through like that for ages and he, and he makes such a show of it. And it was around the time that everyone decided wrongly that they hated Heskey. Yeah. But it was one of those things that did for him in the end. Benteke, I think, um, had one last season, didn't he? Or... Oh, yeah, Benteke had a clean through for it. Well, that was when we had the... Twice. Yeah, when there wasn't a keeper and all sorts of nonsense was going on. There is, on the defending, I'll go to you next on this, Dan, there is across... The, I'm glad that Rob said, you know, individual performances across the board because Gomez uh, plays well at right back. Uh, Moreno... Uh, does well and Lovren wins his battles I think they all it isn't that Arsenal have absolutely nothing in the game it's back to what you were saying before about Liverpool controlling it, it, it in a less ostentatious way than um, than what you saw in midfield with Chan and Wijnaldum where Wijnaldum's putting Ramsey on his arse 19 times in three minutes or something mad like that what you actually see at the back is each of them individually just wins the battles Arsenal test every bit of that back line and not one of them is able to really come off, come out with anything. No, I thought both fullbacks were excellent. I thought Gomez was excellent. I thought he really was. And it's, it's great to see now, like we referenced last week, he feels part of this squad now and he feels part of, of something and he feels like he's getting his game once every few weeks at a minimum. And and to get his fitness up and get him at the level of, of match sharpness can only be beneficial to us. But it's, it's really interesting that Lovren looks really in control at times. He, he gives that... Foul away where he takes the yellow, but it's a great, it's a great foul and it's a great yellow because he's spun and he's in behind and he doesn't look rash and he doesn't look out of control at any point. Moreno has a good first tennis of reference, then he settles right into it. And there's, there's just a thing of the back four just being completely reassured. 
and, and in control of, of the situation. But I, I think when we set up against against wing backs, especially, I think we just absolutely nullify that area of the pitch that they play in. Because mm. Arsenal are really wide with the wing backs and you shouldn't be like you don't feel sorry for them, but you, you can see they're in a position where they're going, well, hang on, you're expecting me to get beyond their full back and get to the byline, but also we're getting ripped in behind here by by their wingers and their forwards. So I've got to be back as well. So like it's that's they end up in this no man's land space of about 30 yards in the middle of the pitch. And we just we just make that area completely redundant. We don't play in it, we don't entertain it. So our fullbacks then are allowed to join in. And when we create these these triangles that we have in the last third of the game. And I think you can see that Liverpool are defending a lot better as a team, is what I'm getting at. And and you know, the back four and the midfield three are completely entwined with each other and when they, they, they push up, when they drop back, what they're doing as a unit a lot more. And I think that it's it's more reassuring for, for the likes of your Lovrens then who who can just focus on what he needs to do mm. rather than try and sort stuff out all over the pitch, which we referenced a few weeks ago. The interesting thing for me with the fullbacks is that we're just not missing Klein at all. I've, no. I mean, I've, literally, I, I, I was obviously concerned at the start of the season because obviously you've got Trent who's really young and inexperienced and then you've got Gomez who's you know let's face it he had a really bad injury you know he's taken his time coming back from that um and for me I just I, I'm struggling to see how Klein gets back in the side at the minute and I yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't I don't I don't think you'd, you'd edge out either of the two young lads for Klein just right now you might do if you go and this is a European away and I just need the back yeah. door shut properly um, and Klein's a good footballer. It gives you, it yeah. does give you things going forward. But I've been reminded about how much more a fullback can give you going forward this season. That's yeah. been the that's been one of the biggest pluses in this very short period. On both sides of the pitch, by the way, I thought Mill had a great season, but I think Moreno at his very best at moments, and he's still got massive critics, amount of critics out there. But at his very best has given us has given us more than Milner did preseason into the actual season. And I think both Trent and Gomez have given us more than Klein did. It feels like, you know, City, they can stick their Danilos and their Kyle Walkers and those and Mendes. We feel like we've got new full-back options here in an attacking sense. There may be tougher defensive uh, tests to come for the for, for those kind of full-backs, but we'll see. You kind of get the feeling that the whole team are helping the full-backs as well, though. Yeah. There's, you know, there's always a little shuffle over. There's always a there's always a pass back if it's coming to them. There's always a, a bit of a filling in if they get caught out, and it's nice to see that. It's nice that they recognise that you know these lads haven't played much last season, and that they might just need that little bit of integration more than others. And it's it's good. You feel like everyone's like everyone's chipping in to make sure that there's no knockoffs. I tell you what, we're being reminded of though. We're being reminded of what this Liverpool team actually looks like when a it's got two two wingers in it, but what it's got when it's got Sadio Mane in it. Because yeah, yeah. we forget the Liverpool team up to Christmas last year is a devastating force of nature. When we were making the 87-88 comparisons then, it was fantastic for the for the main part of that season. Winning big games, winning, winning against the bottom sides emphatically. And then suddenly from January to May, Marnie doesn't play half the games, I don't think, because he loses yeah. a month for the AFCON and he loses six weeks because of that injury. So we just don't have him. And for a small part, he's, uh, he's getting back some sh- a couple of weeks, he's getting back some sharpness as well after the AFCON, although it's pretty quickly back in the swing of things. So that makes a massive deal to fullbacks, to have Osadio Mane with you. That, yeah. He stretches the entire pitch. Now you've got a Mohamed Salah as well. Yeah. This is this is a massive thing. And look, we can't stop. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't really touched on Mane apart from that exceptional goal he scored. But everything he's doing is is just awesome at the moment. Um, 
He's just such a top draw footballer. If we can keep him fit all season, everything is possible for us. There's just to stay with that for a second. We've touched on sort of the, the each of the front three separately. Yeah. But we haven't talked about the fact that the front three have all functions against Watford or for all three of them score, albeit Firmino's is a penalty. Mm. Uh, but Firmino's integral, in, for instance, in Salah's goal, uh, where he where he dinks the keeper and that there's there's Salah at the back post to force it over the line. We're looking now at another game here where Liverpool have scored four goals and each of the front three has all scored. And then Daniel Sturridge just come off the bench to score as well. Yeah. Four attackers on the pitch, all four of at the back of the net. Yeah. I think, Rob, it's you can get carried away. Uh, you can end up sounding like you're getting carried away, but it is about as dangerous as a, a front three as Suarez, Sturridge and Sterling were. And they, in turn, were probably Liverpool's first proper front three since, you know, it, it wasn't a partnership of Gerard Torres or something like that. It was three. And, you know, Heskey Owen, it was it, instead that, that was a three. And then you've got to go back to Barnes, Beardsley, Aldridge again to, to pull back to 87, 88 one more time. And I think that's one of the reasons why 87, 88 staying with people is because it's a three. Mm. And and it was a three last season. And, and we're doing all this without Coutinho. There's no Coutinho in amongst all of this. And we people have been acting as though, well, what are Liverpool going to do with no Coutinho? Now, listen, we'd, we'd only improve with another really good footballer. But it's the front three that people can't live with. Yeah, I think that's absolutely it. And sometimes it's hard to see just how good it is. When it's, it's yeah, when it's in front, when front of you, yeah. I just say visualise a world where all three are gone next season. And actually, and, and welcome to Brendan Rodgers' reality in the autumn of 2014. Mm. Um, I think it's a, it's a fright in its potential as was the Sterling Suarez Sturridge front three, and its potential, it's as good a front three as the club has had. I really think mm. that highly I, I would rank them. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is stunning. And I think if you can add a body so that you go, it's a four, uh, it's three from four, we, that would be a massive thing. Yeah. I mean, Coutinho, if he's available yesterday, I don't want him in that front three. And just right now, I'm not, I'm not readily chucking one of the three behind him. I and mean, that's... And we're moving slightly away from the front three to the middle three. And that's a very, very good place for us to be in. Coutinho, does he does he step back? If he stays, does he step back into that three seamlessly? Are we do we go back to being the machine we were last autumn? I think probably we do when he's in the groove. And that's a wonderful thing. If we sign lads from southern French teams as well, it's all, all better off. I think we're in a strong place. You know what? See, we can get carried away, but I think that we were right to get carried away last season, but it got carried away from us. We lost yeah. Coutinho, who was vital in that front three, and then we lost Marnes. We lost the two of them uh, from mid-December to uh, to the end of February, and we never quite get them. We get Coutinho back in fits and starts, recovering from injury. Then we lose Marnes. And quite frankly, there is their backup man, their wing man, uh, Adam Lallana, who then goes missing. Jordan Henderson goes missing. So I think there's a narrative that this was a Liverpool team that flattered to deceive last season. I don't think it was. I think it's a Liverpool team that got fucking injured last season. Lallana, Henderson, I think Coutinho... A, just on that, no, just I'm going to stop you there. I think, I think last season, Liverpool finished one point ahead of Arsenal. Hmm. And we played Arsenal now twice last season and once there. Yeah. And we are not one point better than Arsenal. We are 15 points better than Arsenal. Yes. So the idea that Liverpool flattered to deceive, I would actually I actually think that's incorrect. I think Liverpool underperformed last season. That, and I think we're seeing that we're able to see that now in the context of looking back. Liverpool should have should have got a minimum six more points last season. They should have broken 80 points. Liverpool's ceiling is not 80 points, whereas Arsenal's probably is 75. If yeah. you see what I mean, the, the best yeah. Arsenal can hope for across the course of a season is 75. Liverpool should be able to hope for 85. And last season, they either if 76 might be par, 
But you know what I mean. Liverpool did not do as well as they could last season. Yes, I mean, I'm hoping what we're seeing is we saw. Let's compare it to the Brendan Rodgers 13-14 season, which was the last truly devastating Liverpool team, and it's not that it's fortunately in very recent memory. But that that season was we were getting big, big glimpses of it the season before in Brendan's first season post Christmas when he brought Coutinho and Sturridge in, and suddenly we went from being this sort of floundering side who died a difficult year under Kenny, a difficult first half for Rodgers, to suddenly a team that was going to, going to Newcastle and winning 6-0, was beating, was thrashing Fulham on their ground, was suddenly winning threes and fours at Anfield again. Blips in between. But it, suddenly, but, but it finished the season, what, about sixth? And everyone was going, yeah, and what? And then suddenly, that, with, a full, with a full season, with that, with that group of players and with Sterling coming into the mix, it was a devastating force. Again, all whipped away. Sturridge gets injured. St- uh, Sterling, OK, fair enough there. And Suarez gets taken away. Gerrard retires. So it's all taken away. I think we saw a glimpse of what was to come in the first half of last season. Yep. And I think that is the real Liverpool. And it's not a team that conceded goals for fun. And it is a team that scored goals for fun. It needs, because it's now facing uh, European football, it will have bigger tests to come and it will need a squad. And this week is vital. Yeah. Um, I, I'm i really excited about how young the side is as well. Mm. When, when, you, when you look at the age of, of all our best players, they are all at a very good age. And I would, I would say that none of them are at their peak yet. And that has got to be frightening for, for other sides. Um, I mean, we were talking about the front three earlier and I've, I think each and every one of them is going to be worth 20 goals for us this year. And if you think those three can get us 60 goals, then you're going to have Emre Chan, maybe Coutinho, Henderson chipping in with a couple, um, Wijnaldum's going to get a few. Um, I, 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 I just think that, you know... It's up to us where we finish. I, I think that it's going to be very difficult for other teams to live with us. Um, you know, you look at United and, yeah, OK, that you know, they, they've won two games 4-0, but, you know, they're not against the quality of sides of Arsenal. I, you know, I know Arsenal weren't great yesterday. Um, United are a good but, team, but why do they suddenly go up this quantum level that people are saying, just because of Matic and Lukaku? I'm not, I'm not quite buying it. And, I don't know. For me, you know, Lukaku, I've watched a lot of him, obviously, with, with Neil being an Everton supporter. And I, I just... I, <laughs> I thought, is that some dig? I'm missing it. That's a bit harsh. Um, yeah, you're blue, Neil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> blue blue <laughs> Um I, I, I just don't see how he gives you as much as what any of our front three give you. I, I really don't. Um, I... I'm yeah, just... I think they might. I, th- I think, I mean, without digressing onto it being a let's slag United off chat, but there is, a, there is, the, the, it may come to to be shown that because because he is a frustrating player, Lukaku, who will get goals, but his movement is is not brilliant. They, they may have a problem that Ibrahimovic gave them in a different kind of way. Anyway, let's uh, <laughs> let's yeah. hope hope so. How impressive this side is! Yeah, uh, the front three. Just going back to them, I I have a thing where I think. They don't actually need much coaching because maybe with the exception of Salah, they're so tactically aware and they're so switched on to how to create space for each other off the ball. It's it's something to see when, when you're actually watching them in the flesh, just how much they create for each other by not touching the, the, the ball is is unbelievable. And, and the other thing is just how much they're enjoying it. 
all three of them are just having a, a great time playing for Liverpool. And and I think there is an element that, you know, he will put them in situations, the manager, and he will say, well, of the, in this situation, like we talked about before, you can just run with this and, and you've, you've got the pace, you've got the skill, you've got the knowledge and you've got the tactical awareness to open teams up. So once we get in, in, in those situations of final thirds with those three players, you can there's, there's physically teams looking at us thinking, I don't want to come up against these three. It, it's massive. It's absolutely huge. And, and, and we could do with probably one more in that mould who can come in and, and, and add to that should one of them get injured again. Because I think just on last season as well, I think what does the manager said in last season is that what should be a two or three game blip turns into two months. Yeah. And we don't know how to get out of it. And that's all... There's lack of personnel though, isn't it? If you look back in the cool light of day. It, it's, yeah. it's not just form. No, it's not just form. And that's why I'm saying we, we probably need another Mane to go in with the Salah that we got to be another Mane because now we need yeah. another another Salah slash Mane, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like it's... It is that it is that worry that should there be one or two injuries to the front three, then we could we we could lose rhythm. But I think that that's tactically aware that they can they they can play this way. They they can they can react to however the team sets up. So you know they can grind and they can they can say all right it's gonna be it's gonna be a day where we're patient and we'll win it one nil or they can they can say well okay you want to come out as or go three on three or whatever else we'll just rip you apart and we'll be in behind and and they really look like they're enjoying playing the football for Liverpool which is brilliant. Do you know we haven't mentioned in this in this festival of enjoyment of our team the, for the man of the match I think where most people's man of the match Emery Chan, which which is nuts and I suppose it's the only cloud on the horizon that we still haven't we haven't nailed it down. I was thinking about Matt as we were talking about Matt and you I was thinking. Mourinho would love Emery yeah. Chan. He would love him. We've we've got to offer him a silly amount. I mean, what I what I'm enjoy, I enjoyed about his last couple of performances in particular is I feared sometimes when we haven't got Lalana and Coutinho's not an option in midfield that Henderson, Wijnaldum, Lalana is a bit blunt. But yeah. but Chan seems to have worked out how to make himself vital, a vital attacking midfield player. No, yeah, an essential attacking midfield player. He's, he's just said, he's doing everything at the moment. Do you know where it was summed up as well, that third goal? That run that he makes, absolutely bombing on to try and make another option for yes. for Salah was just, it just summed him up for me. It really did the, the you know, the energy, the the fight in him. I think I think that's the thing that really impresses me with him. He, he, you know, you just feel like he's he's grabbing games by the scruff of the neck now. And, you know, that's something that we need. Okay, um, been a fantastic uh, week. Uh, just to sort of sum up off the five games, really, just when I sort of fly around the table, Liverpool got the toughest possible draw they could have got, really, in the in the Champions League qualifiers, uh, Dan. Uh, they got themselves out of that uh, two wins against Hoffenheim, seven points from the league games, a Champions League group that combined the idea of going for a pint with also being something that you can get through. Um, it is... It could have gone better, and I think if you know if 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 the, the the situation at Watford in the last minute is handled better, we're sitting here talking about perfection uh, from 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 what could have gone. As it is, I think it's been a more than adequate start to the season on the pitch from the Reds. Yeah, and and I think even for me now, but I think looking back as the season goes on, a point at Watford won't look like a bad result at all. I don't think there's many that will turn up there and, and turn them over. What I, to accentuate the positives as we've done today. I think what you're seeing from this team in these these bulk of games already is just an ability 
to do those different things that we've we've not always seen last season. So you know we have the ability to 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 be patient in a game, to sit in a game, to wait. We have the ability to come out the traps like we've seen before, and they're showing a real a real variety to what they can do as a, as a group of players. And, and it's just nice for me to see a lot more players involved. It feels a lot more like a squad this season. It feels like there is. 17 or 18 who are involved in what Liverpool are doing rather than the 13 or 14, possibly 13, I'd say we've seen last season. And that just feels a lot less knife edge. It doesn't feel like it could fall off a cliff at any one point. And, and for me, I think there's a lot of positives to take from these five games. All right, we won. We always strive for perfection, don't we? But, you know, if we can get some things done on Thursday, I think Liverpool Football Club as a place just looks like a whole... A whole different world. I think that's a really important point, and it was something that I've picked on so far this season. I think Klopp maybe feels he made a bit of a mistake last season, not trusting more of his squad. As in, when maybe players were a bit tired, maybe on the verge of maybe picking up an injury, that he didn't trust somebody else to go in and do that same job, and therefore ending up with injured players. And I think that. Firmino came off on 80 yesterday again. Yeah. Yet, yet another time. Firmino was very, rarely substituted last season. And yeah, I think he's been exactly. subbed four times around the 80-minute mark so far. And once on the 90-minute mark. Yeah. And the other thing is as well, if, you, if you're playing other players more regularly, so I'm thinking like in full-back areas here, so you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold and you've got Joe Gomez. On the other side, you've got Moreno and you've got Robertson now. If they're getting regular games, say they're playing once, once a week, once a fortnight, they're keeping the match fitness up as well and they're keeping in a rhythm of sorts. The problem that we had last season is that because he didn't trust some of the other players, when they came in, they were rusty and we suffered for it. And I just, it's its the one thing that I've really took away from these five games so far that I, I kind of, I mean, I, I could be completely wrong. Maybe it's not Klopp's realised that he's made a mistake last season, but that's what it feels like to me. It feels like he's, He's constantly learning and I think that that is so good. And I think, again, it's just another real positive to take forward. Philippa mentions the squad. Dan mentions Thursday. Rob, we're about to do a transfer show now in a second. Uh, Liverpool have been linked to Lamar, uh, the lad at, um, at Monaco. You're expecting a big week. Yeah, how many days have we Ins got? and outs, by the way. I mean, you know, the club, the clubs, the Chapel Street should be, uh, yeah, should be absolutely. It shouldn't be a bank holiday Monday in Chapel Street. I'll tell you that now for nothing. Okay. I might go and knock. Can we see? Can <laughs> we see them from one of our windows? We can, see, we can see. We can sort of see them. Yeah, from where we are. We're right in the heart of the action here, boys and girls. And we're going to be doing transfer shows a go go all week. One one today. Um, woke up this morning and uh, not thinking about uh, just they're still basking in the four nil. And now now we could we won the football yesterday. Hopefully we win the transfers today. Um, uh, the, the, as we've been recording, the Lamar story is intensifying. Um, there are a few other rumours bubbling under. I'm not giving up on Naby Keiter until I'm the last man standing at 10.59 on Thursday. Uh, Virgil van Dijk, Jesus Christ, that could happen. There's loads to look forward to. How many shows are we going to do on this? On this uh, I think we could, we're probably going to end up on three or four, I think, once I've, well, I'm going to sit down and work it all out this afternoon. So we're going to be looking at sort of three or four, but one to do right now, which will be available behind the paywall. Uh, five pounds. Damn a month. right it is with that value. With that value, five pounds. <laughs> five pounds a month. Uh, five pounds a month if you want to subscribe to the Anfield Wrap. Uh, the Anfield Wrap forward slash subscribe. If you haven't done it yet, it's going to be an exciting week. But you don't just need the transfers. Liverpool have beaten uh, Arsenal by four goals to nil, and 
Liverpool look like they can score at any time, uh, score at will. Liverpool look as though they may well end this season as the top scorers in the country. Last time that happened, last time that looked like it was the case, it was the best season of our lives. Uh, so let's just say this. Liverpool have beaten Arsenal by four goals to nil. Liverpool have kick-started the title race. It started yesterday. Let's go, Reds. Sports Social Podcast Network.